championing the core conservative principles of limited government, individual liberty, free enterprise, and traditional values. This is The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Welcome back to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Want to remind you to stay informed with up-to-the-minute news while working from home, homeschooling the kids, or whatever, wherever. Just download the Odyssey app or tell Alexa or Google Home to play KNSS Radio. And if you ever miss an episode, you can always visit knssradio.com. You'll find links to podcasts to all our previous episodes there. And, of course, make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell has called for an outside investigation into the death of Cedric Lofton. Three of the county commissioners have signaled they prefer to wait for a joint city-county task force to complete a review of the circumstances surrounding the teen's death in custody before calling for further action. Joining us now to explain why he's called for a citizen's grand jury investigation is County Commissioner Jim Howell. Jim, thank you for joining us. It's nice to have you with us here in the studio. It's always a pleasure having the lone conservative commissioner on the show, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you, John. I love being here. I really appreciate the chance to speak to this. And uh, I'm just uh, chomping at the bit to kind of explain my side of this deal. Well, yeah, I, you, you've called. Trust me, when Lacey Cruz did, I, I, I just kind of went, okay, there's opportunism. Um, but you called for a different version. You've called for a citizen's grand jury for my listeners, in order to get that, a petition must be circulated, which requires the signatures of 100 electors plus 2% of the number of ballots cast in Sedgwick County in the last gubernatorial election, which require at least about 3,400, 3,500 valid signatures. So that's what you're suggesting, is that they pursue a, a citizen's grand jury. So let me, let me just start off by saying I actually think Mark Bennett did his job correctly. And I've looked at the evidence. Based on the statutes. Yeah, based on, the, based on Kansas law. And so, you know, for me personally, I'm, I am satisfied personally that uh, Mark Bennett did his job correctly. Within the confines That's of right. the law. And some people don't like the fact that we don't have laws that, that would set up, if you will, some type of a criminal charge for some type of neglect or some kind of uh, oversight or whatever. But uh, to, that, to the group out there, they really want to see, again, I'm just going to speak for the the one faction out there, they say, well, this, this, this uh, young man was murdered because they see the word homicide on his uh, autopsy. And they said, how is it possible that this young man died in our care, that there has to be criminal charges? And, and so Bennett's explained, DA, DA Mark Bennett's explained this. There's a stand your ground law. And that is, and I, have, I have a lot of opinion about that as well. But if we, if we really want to have a second look at this, if you really want to kind of replace the, D, the DA and get a second opinion, the citizens' grand jury, or for that matter, the grand jury, ordered by a prosecutor or a judge, in this case could be ordered by the people themselves, would actually, if you will, replace the district attorney and, and to determine whether or not charges are appropriate. They have subpoena power. They can put people under oath. They can look at all of the evidence. They can look at employment records. They can look at training records. They have full access to 100% of all of, the, all of the evidence to make determination whether or not charges are reasonable and appropriate, exactly what the DA has already done. So this replaces the DA to make that determination. So I, here's my point. Uh, I, you've heard the saying, John, that I may not agree with what you have to say, but I'll, I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Right. It's a First Amendment uh, understanding. There's a principle there. 
I don't know that I am saying that I am supportive of the citizen grand jury in terms of I think that needs to happen. But for those folks out there that want to see another independent investigation, this is the only real option they have. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. So I'm trying to explain to them, how does this work? Uh, if you want to go down this path, let me explain to you how it works. And that's what I've stood for that. So they know what they, they know what their options are. And we're going to, in the next segment, if you're okay, I want you to sure. stick around through the break. In the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the folks on the other side, sure. some of the rhetoric, some of the things, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I, you know, this, this whole concept of, you know, like the media coverage of the case, um, some are, are, are calling, you know, for the changes to the stand your ground laws that I, I just, I think you're getting into a, a, a slippery slope when you, because stand your ground laws, if you, if you do away with that, or you create a whole, a, a change in the negligence statute, well, now you're, you're putting people in all kinds of liability where I don't know if you really want to go that way. Well, so, you know, Mark Bennett cited 33 times. He said, since this law was passed, uh, you know, roughly 20 years ago, or actually back in 2010, excuse me, passed in 2010, and 33 times he said he probably would have levied charges, but the stand-your-ground law kind of prohibited him from doing that. And he did levy charges in three cases that were overturned by uh, courts, uh, by judges that said this is a stand-your-ground case. Having said that, I went back and read, read as many of those cases as I could get my hands on. They're all in the news. For example, a woman is being attacked by her boyfriend. It's a domestic violence issue. And she grabs a knife, and to defend herself, she stabs this guy who's beating her up, and she ends up killing him. Do you really think that in this case that she should be charged with a crime? She put put her in prison. If if the evidence at the scene supports the test, the side of her her story that says she was defending herself, do we really think that someone who's being beat up and attacked by some thug, that she has no right to defend herself, and that she should be in prison? I think the reason 38 states have a stand-your-ground law is because it is possible that prosecutors would actually charge someone with a crime, even though they were simply defending themselves, which is a constitutional theory, constitutional principle. It reminds me of the law I helped pass back in 2013 that said if you use a firearm to defend yourself inside of a city, that you can't get charged with the discharge of a firearm within a city, which is a crime. We actually had to write that into the law. It seemed like a silly thing to have to do, but the stand-your-ground law is very similar to that. So at the end of the day, you have a right to defend yourself. And if you defend yourself and that's what happened, then you shouldn't be charged with a crime. So that's the, that's the premise for why um, you know, Mark Bennett said he couldn't charge these folks. Um, if we're going to change that in our state, we're going to have a huge debate. And I just, I don't, again, this is really not where this uh, investigation is going right now. The investigation we're talking about today is whether or not, with the current stand-your-ground laws of our state, was Mark Bennett correct in saying that charges cannot be, uh, should not be made in this case because there's not evidence to, to, to get a conviction. Right. That's really his point. And so if you want to have someone second-guess that and double-check what he said is correct, the grand jury would do that. Yeah, and I think Bennett, he, he made a point of pointing out, look, I'm not making a judgment call on whether or not he, you know, charges should be filed. I'm just saying there's no point in filing them because if I do, a judge is going to throw it out. Right. And, he, and why waste taxpayer money and the time and effort knowing? And I think he made a reasonable point to that. It's just not what some people wanted to hear. So p- parallel to my call for the Citizens Grand Jury, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. It seems like people are just now finally catching up to this. But uh, one of the commissioners, Commissioner Cruz, called for what she, she calls a third-party independent uh, 
an investigation or an audit. Well, and the Department of Justice has already indicated they're reviewing it. Well, so. that's true. They are. And then again, apparently she wasn't aware of that and she wasn't satisfied with There's that. There's a lot that Lacey Cruz is not aware of. So, well, having said that, <laughs> so she called that, you know, she called for this independent audit and and there's a huge following, a faction of hers that really follows her and very supportive of her. And they have been very vocal saying we all need to support support her side. And so when I said I support an independent investigation, I was saying citizens grand jury, the newspaper picked that up and said this Lacey and I some you joined her. I joined her I joined her side. Yeah. Well that's not what I've said. I don't I don't agree that her opinion is the right opinion. I don't think a, a, a you know a law firm is gonna do this because they don't have authority. Now, if you wanted to go to something, let's say the, the attorney general, for example, he's not interested in this case. The FBI actually was asked at the very beginning, by the way, that's synonymous in this case with the Department of Justice, DOJ, right. yep. or the yep. U.S. attorney. They've all, they're all part of the federal government. They were invited from the very beginning on this case, and they've chosen, they've chosen not to get involved. And then uh, the KBI, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, actually was uh, lockstep with D.A. Bennett and actually did the investigation and decided that the charges were not appropriate. So we had a third party, essentially, if you think, think of the KBI as being that third party. Having said all that, uh, there, you know, Commissioner Lopez and her, her uh, followers want to do this community task force. The very first thing they did was they called for a letter to be sent to the DOJ, essentially asking them to do another investigation. I, I'm, I find that very troubling. And then again, I, we, we had a meeting on Friday. That passed on a vote of four to one. I, of course, I was the one. Um, there's also this you know, call for an investigation, which, again, I, I have to continue to say, what they're asking for doesn't make sense. The only thing that actually makes sense, if they want to go down this path, is a citizen's grand jury. So in that regard, I do agree. If, they, if that's what they want to do, here's the answer. So, again, it's like trying to herd goldfish you know, amongst yeah. the commissioners. Well, we all have our own ideas, and uh, I'm trying to be more pragmatic and saying you have to do something that's actually defined in Kansas law. Yeah, well, <laughs> trust me. Trying to get that particular group to uh, act within the confines of reason and the law sometimes is difficult. Jim, we're going to take a quick break. You want to stick around? Yeah, please. All right, so we're going to stick around because when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that group that we're talking about, some of the uh, those who are uh, on the other side and, and some of the rhetoric that we're hearing from them. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, Wichita's number one talk. This is the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. Welcome back to the John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS. As always, you can listen to us by telling your smart speaker to play KNSS radio. And if you ever miss an episode... Just visit knssradio.com to find links to podcasts of all our previous episodes there. And, of course, make sure you like and follow the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at John R. Whitmer to get all the latest updates on the show. So with us still is County Commissioner Jim Howell. Um, Jim, your uh, your commission meeting this week got a, a little heated when one of the Lofton protesters told Commissioner Sarah Lopez, quote, we know exactly where to find you and your children. My name is Pastor Mo, and uh, basically it's, it's time for war. And my question to the commission is, will you fight alongside the community or against the community? You see, we are love warriors. We are compelled to fight 
for the ones that we love, especially our children. Commissioner Sara Lopez ran on the premise of being a strong challenger to end the political games. Well, we encourage you to cease doing evil and learn to do good, all of you commissioners. Commissioner Lopez, you actually threatened the citizen with police violence. Why? Because you didn't like what was being said? You claimed that it was a threat to your children. You presented yourself as being a love warrior, but how much of a threat could it have been to your children? You see, we know exactly where to find you and your children. Come on. Uh, love warriors. I mean, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of love to me, Jim. I, I honestly don't know how to respond to this, especially from someone who calls himself a pastor. I, I This just, and again, the rhetoric here is beyond the pale. I understand the frustrations, and, and let's start with, what happened to Cedric Lofton was terrible. It should never have happened. That's right. It's a tragedy. But it, you know, one tragedy doesn't justify calls for violence or him. I, I mean, I saw recently he was on uh, you know, TV saying that he had been calling out to national BLM and Antifa organizers wanting them to come to Wichita. We know what happens if they do. It doesn't justify that. Well, when you start using words like war and fight yeah. and uh, you know, accusing Commissioner Lopez of uh, calling the police for violence against someone, that makes no sense to me. It was uncalled for. It's, a, it's an exaggeration of a viewpoint. It's inappropriate. It's disrespectful. Again, it's First Amendment, so I support their right to say whatever they want to say. But when they become threatening to elected officials or for anybody, anybody for that matter— I think it's crossing a line. And, that, and so we, I think a number of us actually stood up and said this was inappropriate. Yeah, to your defense, sure. uh, or to your credit, rather, you came to Commissioner Lopez's defense. And, and, and I mean, much like John Carmichael and I used to butt heads sure. all the time, you and Sarah don't get along much on issues, but you came immediately to her defense on this. And, you know, Pastor Mo, I hate to call him, his name is Maurice Evans, but his, his, uh, his call for, you know, a demand for an apology Actually, I would just say I'd like to demand his apology. Yeah. He owes her an apology, and he, he needs to come back and do that right. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I know there's a lot of passion. Um, I don't think he – had he gone – could he take those words back and say it differently? I'm sure he would like to that at this point. But words matter, and you can't uh, use words like fight and war and uh, violence and uh, say, I know where your children live, because what's implied by that is they're going to go after her kids, and that's just absolutely inappropriate. Um yeah, Viol, you know, violence. You can't not threaten violence against someone. There's just, no, it's just totally not not okay. Well, and he's a spokesperson for the Lofton family, but like I said, he's also publicly stated he's asking national organizations to quote descend on our community to protest this case. Uh, I mean, I, I I remember when I saw that, I thought to myself, well, we know what that means. That's that's Minnesota. That's that that is they're calling for Ferguson. That I mean, that's that's what he wants. Or I mean, assuming that's what he wants, does he want this them to come down here and burn police precincts? Is that what he's asking for? And to be honest, you know, there's a couple of similarities between this case and George Floyd, but there's an awful lot of differences. Sure, you know this. You know, I can tell you that uh, that uh, Chauvin's in prison for a reason. Yes. Okay. There and right now we don't even have uh, we, we don't even have any any clear laws in our state right now. That actually even brings us to charges at this in this case, and so nor can I, you pass any right. that can be retroactive. That's so correct. there's we not, might go back and change standard ground law. Sure, state, perhaps, but it wouldn't affect. This. It wouldn't right. You couldn't do it retroactively. Exactly. 
Well, anyway, I am. I uh, this was two hours worth of testimony, and this wasn't the only person who spoke that said very alarming things. And so the passion is extremely high right now. Uh, we've got to get a hand, we've got to get get a handle on this. I do think that if the community wants to do an investigation, I welcome the citizens' grand jury. By the way, in the last 20 years of doing grand juries in our state, not one time have they actually indicted someone. It doesn't mean, that we're going to get, doesn't mean they're going to get what they want, they, but they have to trust the process. And when they deliberate, it's behind closed doors. They get access to all of the evidence. They, get, they have to understand Kansas laws. And if indictments are, are reasonable and they think they can get convictions against Kansas laws, then indictments are reasonable. But at the end of the day, if they want to go down that path, they may not get what they want. What they really want, and I said this, I said this at Wednesday, what they really want is they want charges, they want convictions, they want someone in prison. Well, guess what? You don't get what you want because you want it. It actually has right. to be legal. It has to be against Kansas law. And it has to actually, actually, actually has to make sense. I wanted Rush Limbaugh's time yeah. slot. I didn't get There you go. There you go. So let me, uh, let me pivot here. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about COVID. First off, thank you for not imposing any new mandates during the recent surge. Uh, I, know, I know that I'm sure there were pushes. You know, there were those, Lacey Cruz, Sarah Lopez, who, who wanted that. Um, are you feeling a little more optimistic now that we're seeing the numbers decline? I, I actually am. Um, I believe our, our data is trending the right way. And some, there's some people out there that are just trying to find reasons to explain away the trend lines. But the trend lines are encouraging. You know, I think that, uh, and I've said before, the, um, the Omicron is basically not going to be stopped by a mask or by no. social distancing. No, Everyone's going to get not. it. Everyone's going to get it. If you haven't already had it, you're going to get it. And you really almost can't stop it. But I think that's actually run its course. I think we're, what we're seeing right now is, is a decline because it's just made us run through the community. And uh, it there's no, really is no other way to explain this because obviously, you know, the vaccines may help someone from going into the hospital perhaps, but it, it doesn't necessarily keep someone, keep someone from getting COVID. And, you know, so I think right now the number one piece of data that I'm still looking at is our hospitalization data. But, you know, normally in, a, in a, this time of year, we actually have surges of all kinds of sicknesses. And so yeah. people are in the hospital. This is usually their peak period. Yeah, it's so, cold and flu season. You know, it's hard to say how much of this is because of COVID. We don't really know. Um, at the end of the day, I know they're tired. I do think they could, they, I do think there are some things that could be done to maybe help the hospital situation a little bit. But I do know they're tired and I do know that they are overwhelmed. Part of this is because some of these are run more like businesses. They don't, they don't have a lot of resources that aren't being used at their peak period. So they, they anticipate peak and right now, this, this uh, traveling nurse program right now has actually cre- created havoc at these hospitals because people are leaving their normal jobs to do the traveling nurse thing. And whoever pays the most, they tend to get, their, get the help they want. And other hospitals are left high and dry. So there is a shortage of staff that's a little bit atypical because of the traveling nurse program. So things are tough right now. Hospitals are struggling, and I feel sorry for them. I appreciate them great, you know, greatly. I wish they could get some relief. But at the end of the day... Our numbers actually are improving, and I am encouraged. I think we're moving. Look, I think we're getting out of this pandemic thing. We're getting into the endemic thing. Um, I think this uh, COVID is going to be around here, around forever, and it's not going to go away. Um, at the end of the day, we have to learn to live with this. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll do one more pivot. I know you've got an election coming sure. up. Uh, for those who are interested, it's uh, votejimhowell.com. How's it going? I, I mean, you're probably a little bit early, but if folks are interested, if they want to, you know, get involved, if they want to donate, it's votejimhowell.com. Oh, uh, you're, you know, this is going to be a tough year 
for anybody to raise money, you've got the you value them both. You've got the governor's race. You've got the attorney general's race. So I, I have to imagine you're already trying to get out there and get folks interested and fired up. And believe it or not, I've been out there knocking doors. Does since, not surprise uh, me last fall because I I filed my petition. Knowing you, that doesn't surprise about, me. About 1,100 signatures. We we collected that and I filed my petition early. It took about three and a half four months to get those signatures together. I've raised some money. Again, I feel like I'm situated pretty well for my campaign at this point. But obviously, every campaign is is serious. If I get a a serious opponent, then I need to raise a lot more money. I do have an opponent. I'm not saying it's not serious, but um, right now, I think I'm way ahead of him right now. So uh, I do appreciate the help. I'm trying to find volunteers. It's going to be every campaign is a real campaign. Um, you never you know ever win by accident. You have to win because you earn it, and it's always a lot of hard work. So there's plenty of work to do. Um, I would just like to say, I feel like I am again, out of the five commissioners, arguably the most conservative out of the oh, five. There's, there's no arguably and, about uh, it. You, you know, I was articulating my principles with someone today. You know, I, I believe in pro-life and second amendment, uh, first amendment rights, religious freedom, small government, less taxes, more, more personal responsibility, smaller government, more accountability, more transparency. And I go, these are my principles. And if, I think to myself, if I articulate that out there, I think this resonates People want people who have these principles in government. And I, I, I sometimes I'm surprised because I feel like the people I work with sometimes don't quite articulate the principles the same way I do. At the end of the day, I feel like I have to be up there to make the argument. I don't always get what I want. In fact, I rarely get what I want. But the <laughs> argument is definitely worth the, worth the trouble. I'm glad I'm on this bench. I'm glad I have a chance to speak. And I feel like I have moved policy to the right, uh, over, especially even over the last two years. Had I not been up there, believe me, these oh, mandates know. from Central County government would have been, would have been way worse. The, the difference, Jim, is you, you said it, you articulated it in, in better than they do. The difference is they articulate it, but their voting record doesn't match their what they say. Your oh. voting record matches how you campaign. And, and that is why you are the most conservative, because you don't vote with Lacey Cruz all the time. Unlike, I'm just going to say it, Pete Meitzner and David Dennis. And I love them. They're nice guys. They're friends. But they don't vote with you. They vote with the Democrats. And uh, so we value you up there, and you have to stay. Well, I appreciate that. I hope I do get to stay, but it's up to the voters. And so we'll see. I love serving. I love Sedgwick County, and there's a lot of work to do. So I just am, I'm grateful to have this opportunity. Well, brother, I, I hope uh, we wish you the best. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Again, it's votejimhowell.com. And on Twitter, it's at Howell for Kansas. Carry on the fight, my friend. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. We're going to pay a few bills. When we return, State Representative Leo Delperdang is going to try and explain why the Kansas Highway Patrol has seized a 1959 Corvette from one innocent Kansan and now wants to destroy it. You're listening to The John Whitmer Show on 98.7 and 1330 KNSS, which does number one talk.